Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Just Browsing. Matthew along with Zach today, and we do have a special guest making his first appearance of probably many to come on the show. So everyone, give a warm round of applause to that we won't hear. Right <laughs> to Caleb. Hey, everybody. So, yeah, appreciate you. Welcome guys to the show, man. Well, thanks, dude. Thanks. Yeah. Glad, glad we could finally get you on here. I know. Well, when you guys told me about uh, the the topic for today, I was pretty stoked about it. So. Yeah, I think. The key is usually trying to plan a topic ahead of time. So I think from now on, we'll just, as we kind of like spitball the, the topics, what we're going to do next, we'll just run them by you and be like, hey, you want to talk about yeah. fucking aliens or something? And you're like, yeah, <laughs> that, sure. that, I'll be honest, that was one of my favorites. So, <laughs> God, dude, there's so much to talk about with aliens. Oh, it, it, and there's like a lot, I feel like a lot of the topics that we've chosen so far, we could just keep coming back to them like over yeah. and over. So if you want to hop in everything. on a simulation theory podcast or a pyramids podcast or something, we can just run it back and do it again. So, bro, we could talk about all that <laughs> shit all over again and everything we said would be new besides the fact that aliens are real <laughs> and they built the pyramids and they built the pyramids. that was they our, did yeah that, 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 that was our facts. conclusion that we got to <laughs> you know so we're going to talk about world war ii today um probably more based on the movies that we've seen um because again we could probably talk about world war ii history for fucking like six episodes so i think we'll probably stay more closer to the cinematic but with some you know real life knowledge as well but I think aliens were in World War II. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Keep the aliens out of this podcast. Speaking of aliens. Um, yeah, so I think, at least for me recently, the reason why I brought it up to Matt of wanting to do World War II, and especially like World War II movies and TV shows for our next episode, is I listened to, and I do this all the time. I don't know why I do this, but I'm always referencing other podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, so, and they never shout us out. Yeah, so. cool. well, because they don't know we exist. But uh, I was listening to a podcast called The Rewatchables where they basically like pick movies that they deem rewatchable. That, like if you, if you were scrolling by it on TV and you've seen it 10 times, you're like, oh, I'm going to sit and watch this movie again. Well, one of them was Saving Private Ryan. And I listened to the episode and I was like, Oh my God, that fucking movie is so amazing. Just listening to them talk about the movie made me want to watch the movie. Just, just picturing everything that was happening. And then I was started reading the book that I just lent you, Caleb, The Forgotten 500, mm-hmm. which is super interesting. So those two things kind of combined. I was just like down the rabbit hole of World War II stuff. And like in the last week, I think I told you guys I've watched like four or five World War II movies and I finished reading a World War II book. I'm on episode four of Band of Brothers. Right. There you go. So now you're down the rabbit hole too. And I'm listening to a World War II history podcast right now about the Pacific Theater. So like I am I am in it. Have you watched <laughs> the Pacific? Yes. Since I finally, it took yes. me like 40 yeah. years yeah, yeah, to yeah. get you into Band of Brothers in the Pacific. Have you seen Band of Brothers in the Pacific? I'll be honest. I have not seen Band of Brothers. Oh my God. So that's or, or my, the Pacific, right? Or, or the Pacific. Right? All right. So we're going to shut his mic off for the rest <laughs> of the episode. And then well, we'll one thing, in. one thing you need to know about Matt is he basically only ever watches two things and nah, lo- nah, 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 three. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. Three things. Three I have things. four. <laughs> it's basically mainly three things. Right. Shut up. Shut up. It's The Office, it's Harry Potter, and it's Band of Brothers. That mo- this motherfucker it's Game watched of Thrones because I've watched it more than both well, combined. Already, I was going to so. say Game true, of Thrones true. too. But but Band of Brothers Band is... Band of Brothers is... I mean, he had it loaded up on the plane. Every time I've flown with Matt anywhere, he loads it up on the plane. Like, this dude's... Obsessed with Band of Brothers. Bought it on Amazon Prime. Download on the phone. Can take it anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, we would both highly recommend Band of Brothers. I I think so. He finally got me within like the last two years. I think I watched both of them. Yeah, because I kept it was after our um, the the TV 
bracket yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, Because you were like, I still haven't seen it. I'm like, you have to watch it. It's 10 episodes, so it's, yeah. you know, 12 we did hours our, or whatever. Um, we did our TV show bracket <laughs> podcast. Right. And... What was the delineation? It had to be over a certain amount of we episodes said it had to or be something. Over two, so season, two seasons or more. That's what it was. So we combined Band of Brothers and the Pacific because we felt like they were so good they had to get included in there. And you can't, by the criteria we were using, you can't pick we just one of one. them. Right. So he was like, I had never seen them. And he's like, dude, you got to watch them. So I finally watched them. And they're both fucking incredible. Like, it's, I would, I've always described it as like Band of Brothers is basically like a 10 hour long Saving Private Ryan. Do they do they Based relate on a true story. Band of Brothers in the Pacific? Do so, they are they like no, together so, or they're just two separate? Well, so they're made by the same producers on oh, HBO okay. and everything. Yeah. But Band of Brothers is based off of the 501st Airborne Easy Company. Okay, that invaded Normandy. The Pacific is based off of there's like three or four main characters that they kind of jump around between their stories because they're at different places in the Pacific. Um, it's supposed to kind of like stylistically be the same, but it's not like. Band of Brothers, you follow the exact same characters. Gotcha. Yeah. The Pacific, you bounce around, like I said, between three or four main characters gotcha. the whole time. But I reckon Band of Brothers are going to be way better than the Pacific, but the Pacific's still fucking great because yeah. we really never see much of the Pacific for yeah. like World War II stuff. Right. Yeah. I I definitely, Band of Brothers, I when I rewatched both of them, I, Band of Brothers is vastly superior, I think, but the Pacific is really good. Like if you didn't have... Band of Brothers to compare it to, you would be like, this is really, really good. Especially if you're into World War II stuff. And if you're remotely interested in the Pacific Theater, which I'm sure you are, right. like, you're going to find it pretty interesting. Yeah. And it's just, I think we talked about it after watching, or after I watched both of those, and I was like, I don't know, man. Obviously, you wouldn't want to like put yourself in either of those two fronts. It would, It's not like a fantastic place to be, but I don't think... I think I would choose the European Theater over the Pacific Theater just, just because of like the locale that those guys had to fight in, like the actual like, yeah, the environment, the was nature less environment, harsh, yeah, harsh was in, just yeah, which is funny because you watch like, and we'll probably spoil a little bit, but it's not that much. But like the Battle of the Bulge, you know, snowy, cold, right, people freezing to death and shit. But then down in the Pacific, everyone's like, oh, the nice warm Pacific. It's like no, it rained for sixty five straight days. Mm-hmm. Like and it's just super and humid, it's humid and just bugs. And it's That's hot. what I was gonna Rats, ask you guys. Yeah. Like, what out of the two? I guess you could say sides of the war, like what, what would, if you had to be put in that situation, what side of the war would you want to? I'd definitely go to the European front. Yeah. Same same here. I also think that it was fought as a more type, like conventional type of war. Whereas like the Japanese kind of fought like a guerrilla style warfare because you had no clue where they were. Like they could pop kind of like Vietnam where they pop up out of like hole in the ground, kill you. And then they disappear and you had no clue where you died from. I'd much rather go fight someone where I can see their bunker and I'm like, oh, fuck. They're in there and they're going to kill me, but yeah, I'm not going to get shot at by some coconut. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I think just for me, I think of like the places where if I was stuck in a war zone, where would I rather spend time hanging out in between battles? And it would for sure be in Europe. Right, Paris like in, or in, London. In, yeah, in France or in England or, you know, Belgium or somewhere or Germany. It's just, it seems like I would do better in a place like that rather than just like sweating my ass off in some <laughs> muggy, humid island somewhere in the sand, you know? That just sounds fucking Crabs, rats, yeah. coconuts. Like, like set aside the hole you're getting shot at all the time. Just being there would be terrible. Just like existing on that island would fucking suck in my opinion. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't choose either. 
just because who wants right, to go yeah. to war, you know? Right, but right. like, could definitely you, Europe. Could you like imagine though? I mean, I'd be kind of going back on like what we were just talking about. Going back, like, put yourself in the shoes of an eighteen-year-old kid back in like the forties, right, yeah. or, or, the, or the late thirties, and the attitude is different, right? Mm-hmm. Like the attitude is, no, I want to go to war, yeah, right? Compared sure. to kind of what we were just talking about. Yeah. That's just very interesting to me. I mean, me. they were like, they were committing suicide if they couldn't get into yeah. the army. And, and people yeah. were lying about their ages. And mm-hmm. like, it was truly a different time. Now you have people that are like burning the flag and shit. And they're like, fuck this country. And it's like, well, why don't you leave? They're like, I can't because nowhere else is better. And it's like, well, Shut the fuck up then. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, you know, I think there has been, as the years have gone on, because, you know, at this point, we're talking about something that happened, what, like 80 years ago at this point? So as the generations go on and more of these people who lived through this experience pass away and you have younger generations, I feel like, yeah, attitudes towards government, attitudes towards military for sure have changed a lot. But when you hear about, like, you know, them like people calling this generation of people who fought in this war the greatest generation once you start really peeling back the layers of this war you kind of get why they named they were they were given that moniker like right. they mean, saved just- the fucking world from like the most evil person and evil like spreading plague of an army that's pretty much ever existed you in know what's history. crazy it's, about it's that insane it's like i kind of disagree that i mean okay hitler was awful don't get me wrong but like what he did to the Jews, obviously, you can never forgive. But, like, Stalin also killed, like, 25 million people. Hitler killed 6 million Jews and had plans to take over the world. But Stalin was just, like, killing everybody. Yeah, I mean, Stalin was definitely no Girl Scout. But <laughs> I, I just think, you know, well, okay, so... Been. You never know. You can't assume A cu- couple years ago, when I was in college, I, I, I did an internship in Santa Fe during the summer, and I stayed with my uncle, and, and I would stay up late sometimes just drinking whiskey and talking with him and my cousin's husband about world war ii and this is the type of stuff that fascinates me about history is i really try and like put myself in the shoes of like what it would be like to just be a person living in x part of the world in x time period and it continually fascinates me learning about like the rise of fascism in germany which eventually leads to the nazi party and this unstoppable army that just spreads out of Germany and starts just steamrolling all of these countries in Europe and just how fucking terrifying it would be to be in like, let's just say you're in Germany and you don't agree with like that political ideology or that, you know, as long as you have blue hair, blue eyes, or, you were good. Yeah. Or if you're in one of the surrounding countries, like a, a quote unquote peaceful country, just trying to live your life. And all of a sudden this military from this country right next to you just, steamrolls into your country and fucking takes over everything. Like, how fucking terrifying that would be. You know, it's really crazy you say that. So I was on the phone with my grandma today, and she just recently started watching this new documentary that came out. It's called The U.S. and the Holocaust. It's a three-part series on PBS. I saw so, that on TV last night. I think. Did you see it? Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it, but... Yeah, so she told me about it, and she was like, I think you'd get a good kick out of it. Just watch the first episode. It's a little slow, but it'll start to pick up. And I don't want to spoil a whole lot, but like the first 10 minutes is exactly what you were describing, right? Basically, the first 10 minutes is this guy who lives on a dairy farm is basically helping these Jews out and they're hiding under his kitchen, like the floor, the kitchen floor, right? 
And so, of course, one of the daughters like sees the this these Nazi regime officers pull up and he instantly tells like all these guys under the floorboards to just be very quiet or whatever. And so just the 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 what am I trying to say? The way that this Nazi official presents himself is just very like casual. But then you could tell the, the, the dairy farmer just gets very like agitated. And at the end of the day, like he spills the beans, right? He, he kind of had, and then at what happens is I'll let you guys watch the rest of it, but it's imagine how scared you would be if you're having like eight or nine Jews in your floorboards and then all of a sudden you just and an ss officer and an SS, comes in, yeah. yeah he just comes in like what do you do and it's like i point? know you're fucking hiding right <laughs> right right by the way are you describing the opening scene of inglorious that's literally the opening scene of inglorious are you sure your mom wasn't or your your grandma wasn't watching inglorious bastards you know what the more that i think about it i'm definitely explaining inglorious bastards because like literally two days ago because i'm that's did you watch inglorious bastards well i haven't rewatched it but i'm going to here in a couple days but i was watching that scene on youtube okay and i'm like that's literally the okay you know what's okay you know what all right can we just erase this whole like last two minutes because i was watching that documentary and then i turned on inglorious bastards oh, so and, maybe, okay, I, okay. and it just it crossed all right with me. I was yeah, gonna say, this is, is inglorious bastards like yeah i was like man tarantino did some research did that actually yeah, <laughs> yeah. because like inglorious bastards is, i mean it's one of the movies i had on my list to talk about is it's like a non-fictional fictional film. Like yeah, what yeah. they do didn't really happen, but there were groups out there that yeah. were hunting down Nazis for sure to just kill them. Great fucking movie. Without oh, further ado, we're great. jumping into our movies. <laughs> well, before we jump into World War II movies, because we're not going to get a chance to talk about World War One movies because there's literally just one that yeah. is really good. I figured we bring it up and just discuss it real quick. 1917 is a fucking masterpiece. Have you seen that, Caleb? I watched it. just came it, out like a couple years ago. I was going to say, I I remember going to the theater and watching it. was like December it. 2020 is mm-hmm. when it yeah. came out. Yep. Really good. I thoroughly enjoyed oh, it. Oh, just the way they shot the whole film in one like take. like Yeah. That movie was fucking great. So the reason why this podcast, the, the, the idea for this podcast has been kind of germinating for a while, and I think it came up when we did... One of our brackets, we've done several brackets at this point, but one of our brackets, and we were spitballing at the end of that episode doing a war movie bracket podcast. Because you and I both like movies, we like war movies, and we were spitballing like, hey, let's do a war movie podcast. And then I think my uncle, actually, shout out to my uncle Chris, commented on the pod bean and was like, what you should really do, because we were trying to figure out the logistics of that. He was saying, you, what you would have to do is do one bracket of like civil war movies one bracket of revolutionary war right, movies we, we one bracket of world war classify one classify yeah cuz there's just so many that have been made that you can't just lump them all in in one bracket and it's also a little bit you're comparing apples to oranges you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i mean you could compare the movie the, thing the is patriot after our greatest sports movie ever yeah maybe it was Sorry. after that one um, I mean, you could compare the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson, like it's a Revolutionary War movie, to Saving Private Ryan if you want to. Both really good war movies, but it's like it's kind of comparing apples to oranges, right? Like you need to compare the World War II movies to other World War II movies and, and vice versa for everything else. So I think we started germinating the idea for this podcast with a bracket, and then we kind of just decided like, you know, there's a couple issues there of like, a, if you haven't seen, like if you Google like the top 25 greatest 
World War II movies or whatever. Well, like Schindler's a, List. A lot of them, the like, you haven't highest, seen. Like, and right. I've, I've seen a lot of movies, but a lot of them I haven't seen, and they're like, you know, film connoisseurs and history buffs are like, this is one of the greatest World War II movies ever made, and it came out in, like, the 50s or whatever. You're like, right. well... It's a little, I feel like it's a little disingenuous for me to like throw a bunch of those movies in a bracket and then be like, well, Saving Private Ryan's better than all of them because well, like, that, that's, that's the only one of eight that I've seen or whatever. That'd you know? be the hard thing is do we do it based on a cinematic experience or would you do it based on a historical yeah. and cinematic? Because yeah. if you go off historical and cinematic, Inglorious Bastards would be one of the lowest rated because yeah. the historical aspect would be so low. But like Saving Private Ryan would be. Pretty high. Pretty high yeah. up there. Yeah. But then you have like Schindler's List, which is not necessarily like a full-blown war movie. Right. But it's a massive part of yeah. what World War Two. like, it's just like a, it's not like the, you know, the the battle scenes of World War Two, but it's a different battle that went on during World War Yeah. II. And I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but anytime I start to, because like I'm one of those people that if I have like a topic or something that I get interested in, I want to like dive in and just learn all I can about it. And World War II is one of those things where, like, on one hand, it's great that it's there's so many stories to be told about World War II, both true stories like nonfiction and just fictional stories of people who didn't really exist, but you put them in the place of real events that happened in World War II. I mean, there's, like, literally hundreds, if not thousands of books all about that in historical fiction. There's great movies about that. So, like, the wealth of storytelling you have is amazing. But kind of to your point, it's like, if you're going to put a bracket together or put a list together, like, are you going to go just based on like, what's the best movie or what's the most historically accurate m- movie, right. you know, cause it like, gives you the best value. Right. Right. If you wanted to learn about world war two, what would you show to a class of students versus like, what's just the most entertaining. I got one of those movies on my list. So yeah, I, I find that really, really fascinating. By the way, real quickly, how are you liking the forgotten 500 so far? Dude, it's great. Um, so I told you I I don't have the book. I'm listening to the Audible version, mm-hmm. and I think it's like a it's almost an 11 hour listen, and I think I'm already four hours in. Oh, nice. Um, and it's I, just again the the description of like what these guys had to go to through in Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia. That's mm-hmm. just it's crazy, right? It's fucking nuts. And what's wild to me, and I just I don't remember. I think I'm in chapter four, chapter five right now. But what's wild to me is that the the picture always gets uh like it's worth a thousand words if you will Mm -hmm. right so like i'm at a part in the book where you know he's one of the captains or one of the i don't remember like one of the sergeants Mm -hmm. is in one of these towns and everybody's greeting him with love and respect yeah Yeah, the villagers the villagers right and he was always taught to like fear them yeah he's like these people are gonna yeah they're gonna kill you and like he's there and they're giving him food and they're yeah. hugging him and kissing him and all kinds of stuff. So like the narrative gets changed so drastically mm-hmm. when it's not you actually living it. Right. right? But right. to to the overall uh opinion of the book so far, the audible that I'm listening to is great. I'd love it. it's such a massive. Good. I'm it's I'm great. glad you're liking it. So yeah. for Matt and for anyone listening, The Forgotten Five Hundred is a book. Um I think it's like Gregory Freeman wrote mm-hmm. it or something like that, yeah. right? It's called The Forgotten Five Hundred. It's basically a true story about um basically Allied airmen were flying over they were flying from Italy over Yugoslavia into Romania and bombing oil fields that the German army was using to fuel their military. But either on the way there or on the way back, tons of these Allied bombing planes were getting shot down over Yugoslavia, and these these bomber 
people on these planes where the the units were having to just bail out and parachute into whatever they were falling over, right? And so basically over time, like... Are you talking about the Owen Wilson movie, you know, where... That's isn't that behind enemy lines? Yeah, yeah that's a good one. That's one um, of my favorites. Yeah, <laughs> um, but eventually, like up to as the name implies, up to like five hundred Allied airmen get stuck in these basically villages in the mountains of Yugoslavia, and so the Allies have to organize a rescue mission to go in and get these guys out. It's fucking crazy. I, I won't give away too much because I know you're you're reading through it right now, but highly recommend it for any for anyone who's like interested in that World War II type stuff. Well speaking of allies <clears throat> being stranded and needing rescued, Dunkirk. Yeah. So should we just get into the list? I right was now? gonna say that's gotta be the first movie. Well um, I mean I'm just <laughs> jumping to you know it was a good point to jump to with allies and yeah they needed to be rescued and what was it, three hundred and fifty thousand um I think British it was, and French soldiers. Yeah, were I think it was like nearly four hundred by. Um, I don't even know what you would call them, but it was just. I mean, they're British civilians, but they had signed up prior to the yeah. war, I believe, for yeah. like a special civilian unit to mm-hmm. take their personal boats across the English Channel and extract troops, Allied troops, back to England. Yeah, and so. I'll give, if we're going to touch on the Dunkirk thing real quick, I'll give a, a plug for what would be a fantastic double feature about Dunkirk because these are two of the movies that I've rewatched within the last week. Dunkirk, the Christopher Nolan movie from a few years back, and Darkest Hour starring Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill. And a lot, a big portion of that movie, in fact, kind of like the big climax is like his big speech to Parliament surrounding the Dunkirk evacuation and that right. whole thing. So. Those two movies take place during like the same area and same sort of time frame in right, World War Two. Super, it would be a great if you ever wanted to just like do a back to back World War Two. Those two are both like a Dunkirk right, double feature. They tried, they wanted, they tried to keep everybody or as many troops as they could alive because since they had to retreat from France th- out of Dunkirk, they believed that Germany was about to invade yeah. England. So they were like, we got to get everybody back so we can get them ready for yeah. an invasion. Yeah. And Dude, so I think this happened before the Allies, like the U.S. Yes. joined the war. So I, yeah, I think you're and right. I think this was part of like you know after Churchill's speech, the U.S. was kind of like, all right, yeah, yeah, because a big he has actually like a line in his speech about how he's basically. I mean, if you're listening to this, you should go look up the speech. The speech is fucking amazing. It's like one of the greatest speeches ever given in in history. Got a bunch of old fat dudes shaking. Yeah, paper. yeah. But he basically talks about how they need to fight. And never surrender and hang on as long as they can against the Germans until the new world with all their might and power comes to rescue the old. Right. And he's talking about the U.S., obviously. Um, but, yeah, one of the things, and going back to what I was saying earlier about, like, trying to put yourself in the position of someone living during those times and either either a civilian or a member of the military – there's a couple lines exchanged by some of like the high-ranking Navy guys in that movie Dunkirk on that little uh, they call it the mole, the uh, like the thing where all the boats have to come in and pick soldiers up, that thing that extends out into the water. Um, and he's basically talking about like one guy's asking, he's like, "Hey, where are all our ships?" And they're like, "They're not sending any more ships." He's like, "Well, why not?" I was like, "Well, they're they're bombing all the ships and they're all getting sunk." And so he's like, "Well, what are they gonna do like with all these?" stranded soldiers or whatever and and basically the guy mentioned something about like churchill said we need to bring 30,000 back yeah like well that he, was their goal was yeah. 30,000 well and he's saying like they're they're keeping the rest of the navy back home and the guy's like why and he's like for the next battle 
And he's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, if they win here, next up is Britain. Right. Like they're going to mm-hmm. fucking steamroll I'm everyone cross here. The 60 mile channel. They're going to cross the channel and then they're, they're home. They're on our front door. It's like, literally imagine how fucking scary that would be. Like I'm, I'm trying to put it into perspective of like a modern day American citizen. That would be like, you know, Russian troops showing up on the shores of Alaska or something like that. Like being like right fucking there. You're about to get invaded by like this giant military that is just steamrolling the rest of the world and threatening to like take over everything. I mean, what's funny about that though is like, and not to go political or derail the whole thing, but that's why a lot of people like in the U S like we're the most heavily armed country in the world. Yeah. Civilian wise and military wise. Let's be real. But like civilians, I think it's like three to one guns per capita here in the U S. So there's probably a billion plus guns here in the U S it's like, if you're, you know, say Mexico is like, yeah, we'll come up and invade the U S and the civilians are like, yeah, not today. Mexico would be like, yeah, not today. We're, we're going to go ahead and leave. And it's like, yeah, you you don't just roll up into and well, like and not to mention we spend more on our military than the next like 30 countries combined. Right, so we then, have like a pretty fucking giant military. So, so I guess a better maybe not for us because but like we don't live in Alaska, so we wouldn't experience. Like we're going to be one of the you know we are children. we are lo- we are located in central United States, which is nice. Although like we they, do have like the Air Force Academy, which makes us true. a target in that true. sense. But like think of like Israel you know, they've been at war for fucking 400 million years. Yeah, millennia, literally. So, like, they're all armed, though. They all have to serve in the military, men, women. You know, they all get to keep their service weapons, but it's literally like that. They're like, at any moment, some Iran, Iraq, whatever country over there that wants to invade them could just try and roll in, and it's like, civilians are just ready to go. Yeah. Like, that would be, yeah, it would be terrifying, but at the end of the day, you're like, well, I either fight, and I could die, or I could fight and survive, or I just die anyways. Like, <laughs> kind of puts you between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I think the what I was referencing about how terrifying it would be would just be like, you're just a civilian going about your life, being a coach at a gym, you know, being a finance guy or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like a foreign enemy military just shows up at your country's front doorstep and is like, we're coming in and we're going to fucking take over everything, basically. Like, that's just, it's hard to picture that as an American citizen in the year 2022. And especially like it's hard to picture it as an American geographically speaking, you know, we're vastly different than the United Kingdom and and Britain, especially like they're just an Island. They're like a small Island and Europe is, I think this is to your earlier question about like Pacific theater or European theater. The European theater interests me more because if you look at like where Germany is on a map and all of these countries right next to them, for a long time now, all of those countries have had to just be constantly ready to be like invaded by any of their neighboring countries at right. any time because there's so many small countries right next to each other. Yeah. Whereas like we don't really have that, right? We're this giant mass over here and we got Canada oceans on either Mexico. side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like those are really the only two that border us mm-hmm. and we have this massive geographical area it's really like in terms of geography, we're in a very fortuitous right. position compared I mean, to like a let's Belgium. Be real. We or earned our we earned our spot though by you know beating the British back a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> That's also. Do you guys ever find that super fascinating that we fought a war a against the British for freedom from Britain, and mm-hmm. then we were allies with them and the two of the 
most massive wars that yeah. were ever waged. Well, really I mean, think, think about it. We fought them in multiple wars, and then yeah. they were finally like, all right, fuck this. And yeah. then we were going to a civil war, and they were like, all right, let's get into this juiciness because we can, <laughs> you know, we'll invade a weaker U.S. And then they were like, yeah, fuck this again. And then World War One happened, and everyone's like, yeah, bring the English people back. Like, yeah. we need help. But yeah. to your point, too, about someone invading England back then, most of the men probably back in England, the older men, fought in World War One. Dude, I was so, just about to bring that like, up. They had war experience. They were probably yeah. sitting there like, I'm ready. You know, yeah, you got Here we go again. Right. Dude, I can't even imagine. So I'll, I'll give a real quick, quick plug, too, while we're talking about this. Dan Carlin hosts a podcast called Hardcore History. Absolutely fascinating. You if you're told a super, me about if that, you're a yeah. history buff, you should listen to it. If you have any interest in, he's he's covered. So the first one I listened to was a whole series about World War One, and I actually didn't know near as much about World War One as I did about World War Two. I don't know if I had just like not found that as interesting in school and kind of forgotten a lot of it or what. But World War One was this insanely devastating war that like almost crippled all of Europe, and one of the big things he talks about is like once that war finally ended, the great powers were kind of, you know, like any ending to any war, they're divvying up land and economies and, you know, like absorbing other countries and all this kind of shit, signing treaties. And one of the big reigning sentiments was like, never again. We cannot mm -hmm. go through this again. Like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people have died because of this war. It's it, like at that time they thought it was like the war to end all wars. Like that was the war. It was just encapsulating everything. And then 20 years later, 25 years later, you have another one. Right. That's almost as worse. You know what I mean? It's, it's like. Because Hitler lost World War One, So he's like, I got to get revenge. Like, and, and imagine, like you said, there were veterans of the first World War, war, first World War that weren't even that old when the second one broke out. And they're just like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, now I've got to go back one, to like, this. I can't even imagine. Well, I mean, think about that. Then in the 50s, they went to Korea. So it was like right. five years later, right. the right. U.S. is in another war. And then, you know, Vietnam and the Cold yep. War and the Gulf War. And then we were just in a 20-year-long war. Yeah. It's just like... Never we, ends. We can't ever stop just... I but... Oh, go ahead. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that also it was on the tip of my tongue. I forgot. <laughs> but that's also like another fascinating point, kind of what you were saying. Yeah, thank you Calm for your down, input Luna. there, Luna. But that's another fascinating point with like, if you look at, you know, the U.S., we all speak English, right? That's mm -hmm. our, you know, language of origin here. And, and we have accents, though. You can have a southern accent. you got like, you know, a northeastern accent. California, there's really, I wouldn't say there's an accent, but like the western, you wouldn't really see there's an accent. But it's like, you go over to Europe, and like you said, 500 miles to the east, they speak a different language. Yeah. 500 yeah. miles to the west, they speak a different language. 500 miles to the south, different language. Yeah. It's like... It's like literally within just, a train ride, you're in another country. Right. Yeah. And it's like, how do you, you know, like, they're finally at peace over there. You know, it only took two world wars, but it's like, that's why, like, they just hated different people, I think, and fucking led to mass casualties. Yeah. What was on... Uh, do you have a list or you were just mainly going to talk about like movies off the top of your head? What are your, some of your favorite World War II ones? Yeah, so I kind of put together a list of just stuff that we would talk about. Um, like I would just kind of touch base on like what you guys did. But uh, I'll be honest, man. One of my favorites is uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Did you ever Ooh, see Hacksaw Ridge? I forgot about that one. So 
for those that are listening, I don't know if you guys have never seen Hacksaw Ridge. Basically, it's about this. Um, it's about this guy who enlists, and he's hardcore religious, very, mm-hmm. very hardcore religious, and so uh, he gets shipped overseas. And basically, during boot camp, um, you know, he he goes through this entire loss, not lawsuit, uh, like court hearing mm-hmm. about how he's not going to kill somebody because he's extremely religious, right? Yeah, they, they call them conscientious objectors. Yeah, conscientious yeah. objectors, right. And so um, basically it's just a story about, I think it's Iwo Jima. I think, is, I think you're right. I think, yeah. is, I think it's Iwo Jima that he goes to and he basically saves the lives of basically his pl- entire platoon without yeah. killing a single person. Right. Um, and so to me, in my, in my opinion, I, I'm, a, I love that movie. That's I, one of my favorite. Movies. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I totally forgot mm-hmm. about that one. I'm not going to lie. I was doing all this rewatching of movies and I'm like Googling lists yeah. and stuff. And for whatever reason, that one just totally slipped through the cracks, but that's an excellent movie. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Of that Hacksaw movie. Ridge. And then I think it's, uh, is it, What's his name? Spider Man. I Andrew Andrew uh, Garfield. Yeah, Andrew yeah. Garfield. And yeah. I think that's directed by Mel Gibson, like okay. one of his kind of comeback movies after he was like yeah, extremely true story. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that that's was a really good pick. I like that pick. I totally forgot about that movie. Fuck. Did you ever well, see that one? Yeah you, yeah, you forget about it because it's again it's it's about a story that's not about action. If you think about it. Mm-hmm. Although there's right, it's, I mean it's it's massively. It's definitely packed, a Mel Gibson movie when you watch it. Right. This is super violent. <laughs> but, lots of lots right. of gore. But like his yeah. personal story, he's not violent. Right. So, so right. it's not about him being in action necessarily, yeah. firing a weapon or anything. But he's in the action as the guy that got bullied all through boot camp and everything right. that ends up saving everybody's life. Right. And then consequently earns everyone's like ultimate respect. Right. Of right. like, hey, this guy stuck to his ideals and was like, I'm not gonna let this war. Com- cause me to murder people. I'm gonna just focus on helping people. Right. And isn't that crazy though that people would join the military when they're like, I don't want to kill people because my religion says not to. And it's like, well, did he get drafted or did he join the military so on his own? I don't what, remember. From what I remember, because it's it's been a little bit since I've seen yeah. it, but I thought that he stole his brother's identity. Oh. So I. I and I could be completely wrong, but I think I could have sworn that he took his brother's identity to go in. I think you're right because I remember a little bit at the beginning about remember his dad his was dad a veteran was in, of right, World of War One or maybe right. yeah, and he was basically like trying to plead with his son like don't right. do this right. war is hell it's yeah like, do do not do it trust me I've lived through it it's right. the fucking worst right and he's like I'm gonna go but I'm gonna. Safe. I'm gonna focus on saving people, and then he goes off to have this just absolutely miraculous mm-hmm. story. Yeah, yeah. I know it's cool in that movie too. Is at the end, like the it's I can't remember his name, but he's actually in the movie. Like they interview oh, yeah. him, I don't know, sixty years later or whatever yeah. before he passes away, and he just goes and he, he explains his story. Yeah, like to me that solidifies everything that had happened. Right, right. right. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Hacksaw Ridge, that's, in my opinion, oh, one, of, one. one of my good That's movies. a great one. Isn't that terrifying to think about, though? That, like, this dude was just climbing up a net every day and dragging, yeah. you know, wounded soldiers to dragging the people down to, to, to save them. Like, yeah. save them. When did that movie come out? I was going to look that up because that's, that's been pretty recent. Within five or ten years. 2016. So that was like six years mm-hmm. ago. 
Yeah. But like to your point about how they interviewed Desmond Doss. Um, Desmond Doss. Yeah. That's right. That's right. To your point about how they interviewed him and then I kind of solidified everything. I think you'll like Band of Brothers for that because they interview Oh yeah. the yeah. surviving members at the time because Band of Brothers I think was released in 2001, so it's pretty, it's pretty old. Um I mean, I guess it's not pretty old, but pretty old for us. Well, it's amazing that over 20 years has passed since that came out. It's right. Crazy. I don't think anyone, I think there was no surviving members of Easy Company anymore. I think the last one had just passed I think like you're last right. yeah. year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they have like the main characters and everybody that you watch through. They have interviews of them throughout like five or six different episodes. And it's like one of those things you're like, holy shit, like that was a true story and that was a true yeah. thing that like actually happened that we just watched. And right. Dude, it's. Seeing stuff like that is very sobering to me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I see that, and I don't know if you guys ever feel this way. I feel like this is the intended impact of having interviews like that in in movies or TV shows with the real people is like to kind of make the viewer be like, "Could I have done that? Could I right. have like gone through this and done what these guys did? These eighteen year olds the, did, yeah, facing, yeah. yeah. If I was eighteen or nineteen, could I have done this? And I think that's one of the big things, like. So Tom Hanks obviously is the star of Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. directed by Steven Spielberg. Those two guys, I think, executive produced both Band of Brothers and The Pacific for HBO. So yeah. you, clearly, like Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg, both have a a, a real fascination and a reverence for right. World War II and the and the men who fought in there. But I think it's Tom Hanks who had um, some quotes about like Band of Brothers, and he was basically saying like, you know the whole point of like saving private Ryan and band of brothers is to show people like these were just ordinary people plucked from random towns in the United States that got thrown into an extraordinary situation and made incredible sacrifices on on behalf of, you know, the free world. And it was their choice to do it too. Right. And they were, they were happy to go serve their country and to kind of what we were talking about earlier, there was a real, you know, 80 years ago, going into that war, there was a, a big sense of patriotism that I think is definitely not on the same level now. It, I would right. say it is with certain people, but like yeah. the overall general groups, public sure. yeah. as a whole, yeah. no. I mean, it, think One, of, like as we sit here now, like the best scene in Saving Private Ryan is also the worst scene if you think about it, which is just the beach landing. Oh my god! But yeah. mm-hmm. everyone's like, "That's the most realistic beach landing yeah. scene we've ever seen." That's truly what happened. And if you mm-hmm. think about it, you go, "Yeah, you know, like some of those guys made it might have been in the military for a few years before they were deployed, and you know, the war started. Some of them were there for six months, and all of a sudden, you know, the door drops, and you're just getting lit up by an mm-hmm. MG42 sitting in a bunker that you're like, "How am I supposed to get up to that bunker and right. kill the guy in there?" Yeah, and it's just like massacres everywhere and you know you do sit back and you go if i was an 18 year old what would i have done in this situation like yeah could i have survived it's like well fuck i don't know right hopefully i don't ever have to find out but Mm -hmm. it really puts in like that perspective of it was a different time people wanted to go do that they didn't i mean they didn't want to go get slaughtered on a beachhead but But they were they wanted to go be they felt like it was their duty to go do that yeah and now people would be like no sign someone else up like yeah did i tell you guys that so i was listening part of what they talked about in that rewatchables episode about saving private ryan is they said that veterans went and saw the premiere they had like test screenings and stuff and in front of veterans and that opening scene on the beach was so 
realistic and so graphic that they had veterans like le- getting up and leaving. Like they couldn't watch it. It was it brought back so much PTSD that they like literally couldn't even. Stand I, I've read anymore. stuff yeah. like that as well. It's and like I think cinematically speaking and like movie making wise, it's like a masterclass in how to shoot an action war scene. Like I think like it, a fictional. It's it's like it's like Spielberg. It's like Spielberg being like, I'm the fucking Kobe Bryant of making right. movies. Like, right. this is, you guys are going to, everyone, even who makes movies, is going to be like, how the fuck did he do this? Right. It's just so incredible. But it's to terrifying watch. to think that that was like, like they said, that was how it happened. Like, you sit there yeah. and you go, this is just, you know, it's a movie, it's going to be all, and they're like, no, that's like what happened. Yeah. Like, legit, if you rewound history and you went to the beach that day, that's what you would have saw. Oh my god, I can't even fucking imagine, dude. Well, and it's like I I always like to think about, you know, if you grew up watching action movies or war movies or whatever, you always like part of you is like, yeah, I'd be the guy to like go storm in and take out all the bad guys or whatever. I'd have all the yeah, courage I'd be the guy or whatever. To go get shot first. But then you think about it and you're like, you know, I the older I've gotten, the more like empathy I have for what's the is it Upham is the is the like private or whatever who at the end of Saving Private Ryan like lets his friend get killed because he lets the Nazi oh, go like, past him on the yeah. stairs is it Upham but is then that... he ends up like jumping up and killing yeah. him at the yeah. end so like, you know how I like you Upham. you're meant to when you see him in that movie be like fuck this guy like he's letting his 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 brothers down he's letting them die because he has no fucking courage but it's like you don't know how you would react if you were in the middle of an active war zone with fucking, you know, shells going off everywhere and bullets flying by you and your fucking best friends are getting sawed in half by bullets. Yeah, like, no friends, let's be real. Like, you don't know how you would react until you're in a situation like right. that, you know? So you can't just be like, well, fuck this pussy. It's like, you don't know if you would be in the fetal position crying. Yeah. You know, like, you probably would be. There's a certain percentage of people who, right. when you're faced with, a situation like that that is just hell on earth you're gonna just your brain's gonna just like shut off you you can't continue functioning well it's like when you see like when they see the captain die on the bridge everyone's just like fuck like, like there's, it, no, there's yeah. no point in fighting it, it anymore. kills like, all morale it right. just shoots everything yeah my, my biggest loss in that movie was uh the sniper yeah when that tank turned i was like get out mm-hmm. get yep. out and he died and I was like, sniper yeah. that guy's a great character in that movie yeah big fan of that yeah, what what are the other ones on your list? We kind of got away from the hacksaw no, Ridge no, conversation. No, no, yeah, second, we got Saving Private Ryan. That's good. I think another good one, uh, also with Tom Hanks, was Greyhound. Oh, I haven't see- seen this one. Oh, it's a pretty brand new one. Oh, right? It only came yeah, out a couple years ago. Tw- yeah, twenty twenty. So I watched this one recently. Ooh, um, I need to add this on my list. Yeah, it's called Greyhound, and okay. it's it's a very strategically, uh, like pixelated movie i guess you could say like so basically tom hanks is the captain of this of this ship right and he has to get to a certain destination but there's submarines there's enemy submarines that are also in the waters that he's in and so it's kind of like the movie or it's kind of like the game battleship right where like you have your little red and white pegs and you're trying to like when i watched that movie i was just that's the first thing I thought of was it's like the game Battleship. Yeah. That's how it is. It's like maneuvering on sea. Right. Like maneuvering battleships. Correct. Without getting yeah. torpedoed. Correct. Without getting torpedoed. Have you seen it? 
Not yet. Yeah, yeah. So Ooh, I'm shocked you you haven't seen it. It seems like that was because I wasted my time watching the USS Indianapolis. Yeah, is that the one with Nicolas Cage <laughs> yeah, that was like terrible. real terrible? Go, yeah. go back to what <laughs> you're yeah. talking about because it's so, really terrible. Well, that's that's really because uh, since you guys haven't seen it, that's kind of the most okay. I'll leave it at. But in my opinion, it's a really good movie, and so Tom Hanks just does a really good job. You'd yeah, recommend but, it? Yeah, I'd recommend. I'm gonna it. check that one out. I t- that's another one I had forgotten about. Have you watched? Have you seen Midway? Yep, I haven't I've seen, seen Midway either. I've seen you, Midway you too. It. Is Midway really fucking good? Mm-hmm. I, got, I got another one. I got to add that to the list. Yeah, Midway is really good. See, you guys are coming with the fucking fire today. You're coming I mean, with recommendations. Going back to the USS Indianapolis, which was based on a true story, but the cinematic part of that movie was so fucking bad it made Jaws look like Jaws was shot in 4K. Which movie? <laughs> the USS Indianapolis. I, did, I heard. Stage. I heard nothing but terrible. So things bad, it. based on a true story, but so bad. Yeah. Well, and that's. I feel like that's one of those things that kind of sucks is like imagine you're involved in one of these events or one of these battles in Ooh, actual history sweetie, they're making a movie about and you're us. like, oh my God, they're making a movie about us starring Nicolas Cage. Like that ought to be pretty great. He's a good actor, right? And then it just turns out to be a dog shit movie. Right. Because it kind of like it dilutes the the gravitas and the importance of the actual events if the movie just sucks. But if you luck out and you're like, Spielberg makes a movie about you, and it's 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 like on the level of Saving Private Ryan. You're like, yeah, like that movie's fucking great. Yeah, <laughs> like, here I am. Right. You know what else is a that good movie's one getting nominated for Oscars? That's a little bit different as far as like the action. It was Unbroken. That movie See, was fucking. I love that. You, movie. You've told me about that one before. And have you seen that one? So I have seen bits and pieces of it. I have not seen it straight through. And from the bits and pieces that I did get, I was very confused. So in a sense. It's about the main character is an American. I think he's a mile runner in the Olympics. Okay, yeah, because I didn't know if fastest. it was like a sports movie or if it yeah. was a war movie. Well, so well, I a, think that's that was part of like the marketing campaign was a little confusing because that's why right. I didn't have any interest in watching so he, it. I he was, was like an Olympian. I think he competed in Germany, and then Pearl Harbor happened. He joined the military, and then he ended up becoming a prisoner in Japan. Oh yeah, that's right. And have you seen it? No, like, I just okay. I know some of the details. So, that I so can... he becomes a prisoner in Japan, like it's a like an American internment camp in Japan. So yeah. just a bunch of U.S. military personnel, you know, not in a concentration camp, but in like an internment, like a prison. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just about his story because one of the captors was like the Japanese runner as well. So like they already mm. knew each other. Okay. And like. I mean, it's a good movie because I believe it's all based on the true story. I think it is, um, yeah. Unbroken, right? That's what yeah. it's called. For whatever reason, you've brought that up before, and I just I had no interest in watching that. I don't know if it was like something about the way it was shot or the way it was marketed or something, but probably the way it was marketed because it bounces between you know like, hey, this guy's in a, a world class runner at the time, to all yeah. of a sudden he's in war. Yeah, but it's. I mean, the, the story is like, I, I like the story. It, it's because to, to your point, Caleb, like I feel like with a lot of the trailers and the commercials right around when that was coming out, I was like, so is this just about like a guy running Olympic races like in the 30s? Like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this about? But like, oh, then he somehow links to World War II. It was like kind of confusing the way they No, he's, he's involved movie, in World War II. Okay, okay. So going off of kind of that movie war type or the Olympic sport type, War time frame. Did you guys ever see Race? No, no, I never. Did saw you that. ever? See, so that's that's a that one is um, it's a based on a true story of Jesse Owens. I was gonna say, isn't that the of, one about Jesse? Owens? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. of the 1936 Olympics and the trials and tribulations. Right, they were in Berlin because right? they were in Berlin, so that's they had to right. cancel this right, or they were in the talks of canceling the Olympic Committee 
and everything. That's another good movie. In That's my where opinion. the iconic photo comes from, right? Correct. Where he's on the metal stand. Right. Because yeah. Hitler right. was there. I'm Hitler pretty was sure. Because Hitler yeah. was and there. And it was like too. a giant middle finger to Hitler, yep. basically. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's cool. So that's another good one, that? too. Hitler's like, fuck, <laughs> you have no clue what the fuck I'm about to do. Yeah. In his, in his own, like, home turf, you're like, right. fuck off, man. Right. So that's another, like, going off of the sport war yep. movie. That's another good one. It's called yeah. Race. I remember that one coming out. Mm-hmm. I, that's another one I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, I didn't watch that one. Yeah, that one's good. Um, What's up? What else is on your list? Let's see. You're coming with a lot that I. This this is nice. This is why we have like another perspective. Yeah. Because I feel like Matt, your your list and I my mean, list are I, probably pretty similar. Yeah. Or or like. I start listing out shit and you're like, eh. and I'm like, well, I was made in like the '80s, and you're like, yeah, I haven't seen that. <laughs> well, like, okay, so we okay, so here's my. I'll just read it out loud because I've already we've kind of touched on most of these. So okay. Dunkirk, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Obviously, I haven't seen Band of Brothers, but I put it on there because I was just yeah, kind of Googling. You, you got to watch that. Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Obviously, oh, so my good. PBS <laughs> mess up at the beginning of our that podcast. Was so funny. <laughs> well, I was thinking the same thing, and I'm like, me and Matt are like, that sounds <laughs> real yeah. familiar. I'm like, but, have I seen this? <laughs> but but to kind of go on your point, it was so well like thought out. I yeah. loved the fact. I don't think I've ever seen a movie where they break it down into chapters like they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that to me was just that was so cool to see. Fuck right? yeah, dude! Tarantino is my guy. I think yeah. everyone, everyone who knows me knows like I'm a huge Tarantino dude. So like that, amongst like cinephiles or people who are like real movie nerds, they're like, if you if you have a discussion of like what are some of the greatest opening scenes in movie history, that one gets brought mm-hmm. up a well, lot. And then they bring it's back really good the girl that escapes, Shoshana. It, she's yeah. the Shoshana, one that tried yeah. to blow up the movie. Au revoir, theater. Shoshana. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking tremendous. Well, and just like. Christoph Waltz, so he wins his first Oscar for that movie. He wins another one for another Tarantino movie in Django Unchained a few years later. Mm-hmm. But that fucking SS officer, Hans Landa, that he plays is yeah. so evil. Yeah. And he's oh, so yeah. smart and cunning. And that's right. what makes him so terrifying is he's like 10 chess moves ahead of like everyone he interacts with. Right. But he's also a fucking Nazi. It's like yeah. That is terrifying. Right, right, right. Dude, well, you know what's terrifying about that? And this is more on the historical like rabbit hole there is a german town i believe it's in argentina that like the fucking psycho doctors escaped to and they were performing medical random tests in like this it's like a legit german town and they still believe in it like there's still nazis that live there oh jesus was that on joe rogan yeah was this on joe Joe rogan Rogan? talked about it but there's like villages all throughout south america that are like straight up Nazi villages where it's like they speak German. They're fucking Nazis. Mm-hmm. Like it's like just straight German in the little area. Uh, that's yeah. a, that's another rabbit hole to go down to or to go down is Hitler escaping to South America. <laughs> well, <laughs> go down that one. Trust me. It's well, fucking- no, what I was going to say is the so what's fascinating is like if you if you kind of pan out from all of the military battle stuff that actually happened in World War II. The Nazis had their fucking tentacles in so many things and going down the rabbit hole of like the Nazi doctors who would like experiment on people and do these fucked up medical experiments on like prisoners, like German prisoners in in, uh, concentration camps and stuff. Horrific, horrific shit, dude. If if you know... And none of that... 
that gets covered because it's like overshadowed by the fact that there's this giant world war hat like right. raging. Well, you also and meanwhile they're just committing human atrocities. You well, you know also I mean? got to like, think like people want to cover up that shit. Like people don't want that yeah. to be a part of like human history, but it is. If you ever need like a historical, it's not a just look up the Nuremberg trials, which is like mm-hmm. the world holding oh, yeah. trial. Yeah, yeah. I did a whole fucking eye search in high school about that shit. My mom's like, this is the best paper you ever wrote. And I'm like, because I was fucking fascinated by this yeah. shit. Like, it's amazing what, how well you can do something when you're interested in oh, it. Oh, man. Right? Exactly. It, it's exactly. crazy to be that interested in something so bad, though. Like, you're like, well, I, I want to learn why and yeah. how and like everything about this because yeah. if we don't learn from it, someone's going to fucking repeat it. Yeah. And, well, and dude, I, I think that's just part of my utter fascination with world war two as a period in history and as a war that for whatever reason, it was just far more interesting to me than any of the other wars that I ever studied in school and in any history classes. But it's just so multifaceted that like you could literally spend the next 40 years of your life studying nothing but world war two history and not be an expert on everything that happened in world war two. It's just so vast. You have Africa, you have, all of Europe, yeah. you know, like, and that more or less besides Asia, but World War II, if you think about it, Japan and China were fighting. That's yeah. part of World War II. Right. Like, Japan taking over all of the There's Pacific so Islands much shit. It's all World War yes. II shit. It's like literally the whole world. Yeah. Besides maybe like Nepal, because everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> Mount Everest, we're not, we're going to cross that mountain range. Well, and you know what's, what's something that I've found interesting after listening to podcasts or reading books about... World War One and then World War Two is, you know, if you're a real student of history, you can start to learn like the causes that lead into each of these wars and how they're all directly connected. Because like World War Two, one of the things that I didn't realize until the past few years of like kind of just researching this kind of stuff on my own is that war happens as a direct result of the results of World War One and yep. what, what happens to Germany specifically after losing World War One and having their economy devastated. Like, that is literally the main cause of the rise of fascism, which leads to Nazis, which leads to Hitler, which leads to World War Two. Like, you can, you can draw a direct line from the results of the end of World War One all the way into the causes of World War Two, and then there's Japan and then same thing going. after World War Two in terms of Korea and Vietnam right. fighting communism across the world. Like, there's all these direct correlations you can draw. It's fascinating. And then you have Japan, who's like, "Fuck the U.S. We're gonna just attack yeah. Pearl Harbor," and everyone's like, "Why did you do that?" Yeah. And then we were like, "Hey, Nagasaki, Hiroshima," and they're like, "We're done." Dude, Split. okay, so real quick, I'm listening to the Dan Carlin series on World War II, and it's all about the Pacific theater, which mm-hmm. I was stoked about because I don't know as much about the Pacific theater as I do about the European theater, but he was, he's the whole, I'm only partway through the first episode. And, and this is one of those things too, for anyone who's going to listen to hardcore history, you're in for like a long experience. Like this series is like six podcast episodes long and all of them are like five hours. Yeah, like they're it's long. a long, they're very thing. long, but you kind of need that much time to get to all of the information. The yeah, and like, at, yeah, do more than just scratch the surface. But one of the things he's talking about is like the reason why ultimately the war in the Pacific has to end with a literal nuclear bomb. Well, two of them incinerating entire cities is because the Japanese culture, like, if you understand them as a culture, they were not ever going to surrender. It was just not going to happen. Like the German army and everything happening in the European, the Western front, like 
those armies at a certain point, if they get out strategized and just beaten back and beaten back, eventually they surrender, right? You cut off the head of the snake. Yeah. They, they surrender. But Japan, literally, he was talking about like they, they had like, if you go back and look at newspapers from Japan during World War II, they had common common phrases you would see would be like 100 million souls dying for the empire or something right. like that. And they were literally talking about like, we will die to the last man, woman, and child with fucking sticks mm-hmm. before we let you guys come in, like before we surrender. It was crazy. It's you, insanity. Was it you that was telling me about that story about a guy who was stranded on an island and he was a he was a Japanese soldier or no he was we were all talking about it were we talking about it yeah, well, he was a was Japanese it an, soldier was, was it a Japanese soldier an American it was, it was a, Japanese, a Japanese soldier yeah it was a Japanese soldier who yeah. after like 30 yes. years stranded on this island yes. still so, yeah thought they were fighting it's, the it's war fresh in my, the it's fresh in my mm-hmm. head and if you want to hear the story he's talking about it at the beginning of the first episode of this podcast series. okay fucking crazy dude there's a japanese soldier who gets sent in by his commanding officer during the midst of world war ii he's like in guam or like some one of the one of the pacific islands where this the war is raging and basically the way that dan carlin was outlining it is like all of these japanese soldiers were under the were like given orders and the whole national understanding was like you don't stop fighting until your commanding officer tells you to stop fighting don't ever surrender if you're getting cornered and it looks like you're going to need to surrender. Kill yourself, like that's literally or try and take die. Him yeah, die right. fighting is is and you're not going to stop until your commanding officer tells you you're done fighting. Right. Well, this guy and apparently this is not limited to just this guy. He just so happens to be the longest holdout. Sure. There were like entire platoons that were still fighting two years after World War II ended. Like they would find them in the jungles still fighting. It's like, hey guys, the war's over. But so like this dude. The World War II ends, right? It's over. Right. And 30 years later, <laughs> yeah. this guy's still fighting. And I don't know who he's fighting. I didn't right, I didn't really understand that part. He's just kind of like raiding villages and shit and like he's like still got all his like gear and his gun and uh, an operating rifle that he was given and all this kind of stuff. He didn't surrender until like 1974. Right. And they had to literally go find his commanding officer. So they had tried sending in family members, like his direct family members, to be like, hey, the war's over. You can stop fighting. And he was so in it that he was like convinced that they were American spies or they had been like turned by the Americans to come lie to him and it was some big trick. And he wouldn't listen to him. His own family mm-hmm. just kept fighting. So finally they're like, he's like literally like, I will not quit fighting until my commanding officer tells me it's over. So they go find, I guess his commanding officer lived through the war Goes off, lives a civilian life. He's like a small. He's like a small business owner. Runs a small bookstore, like a used bookstore. Thirty years later, they go find this old man, and they're like, "Hey, one of your soldiers is still fighting," <laughs> and so they fly him in. The Japanese government flies him in, and they have to do a big formal ceremony where he like officially accepts the guy's sword or his rifle or whatever it is. And he finally quit fighting, but not until that happened, like thirty years later. Could you imagine, fucking like, crazy? Could you dude. imagine being the commanding officer? Like, you're in a civilian life, you're married, you have kids, yeah, you run a bookstore, and all of a sudden, these guys show up on your front door, and they're like, "Hey, by the way, one of your platoon members <laughs> is out there killing people." Yeah. Like, how absurd do you? You'd think be like, that, "What? Like, yeah, how? Absurd? Hey, you know that guy you told to go fight in 1943? Well, he's still fighting." 
but, we need you to go talk to him. But like you said, that that's just the culture. I mean, they have like yeah. the samurai yeah. culture mm-hmm. where you die fighting or you kill yourself because you're not a coward. Right. right. And I'm like, right. well, killing yourself makes you a coward. But it's like they had kamikazes. They had people right. willingly get into an airplane knowing that they were just going to to fly straight fly into a straight ship. into yeah. a ship or right. You know, the airfield or something like. There were and the family was like, my son died a hero. It's like, no, he didn't. Dude, he just flew a plane in the shit. How hardcore do you think the training would have been to? Because I mean, if you really think about it, if you take a step back, they're basically brainwashing all of these people mm-hmm. to think like that. Yeah. So like, how long or what kind of training would they have done back then to basically brainwash somebody to think like that? I think a lot of it started like when those people were in school like as kids right they kind of it's like state-run propaganda essentially mm-hmm. China. And it's, they they and like what matt was saying they for hundreds of years have had like this samurai culture right like, it's very very it's hard as an american to kind of Wrap imagine what it, what it was like but they they bring these kids up from the time they're in elementary school to believe and think a certain way mm-hmm. and the dan carlin was talking about when that guy eventually went back into civilian life and was like walking around in Japan. So much had changed in Japan that it was kind of like the most extreme version of like fucking kids these days. You know what I mean? But this guy was looking around and like who, like what happened to my country? Right. Like he was basically like all of you are fucking pussies. Like, right. like, like you just gave up and like he, he just couldn't like rationalize how he was brought up with like mm-hmm. what had happened to his country, like his fellow countrymen. But like going back to the whole idea of like, that's how they're brought up. Think about like the influence here in the U S compared to like Japan, Japan's an Island. They don't have a, they didn't have a shitload of immigrants. Yeah. There's other places that influenced the ways they were raised and in their thought process and everything, but they're an Island with a strong historical culture. Mm-hmm. The U S is made of immigrants from 250 years ago that came in in the, you know, the native people, are few and far between because the white man from England and Spain and France yeah. and all these European countries, you know, 300 years ago came over and just wiped them out. Just so we're just a mass like flush of cultures that like we don't have, we don't truly have a strong like historical backing. If you truly like sit yeah. back and look at it, like, well, especially sense. compared to, Japan or even Britain or Germany. Right. I mean, you think about the history in places like that goes back hundreds and right. hundreds of years, right. thousands of years. Thousands of years compared yeah. to us. Like, yeah. 1776 <clears throat> is when people really started to care about right. the U.S. Like, shit was right. going on before. And that, like, on the world history perspective is, like, yesterday, yeah, you know, right. compared yeah. to a lot so, of stuff. <laughs> so, like, our culture is so mixed with, like I said, if you do a DNA test, you might have 30 culture, like, 30 yeah. countries or however they want to, like, you know, ethnicities. Call it ethnicities. You, yeah. It's just does. because you're mixed, you know. I'm like three things, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too. like three things, and Taya's like 50. Yeah, that's me pretty too. pretty crazy. But that's it's like, too. <clears throat> it's wild. That, that's why their culture was so different. Yeah, yeah. What, so, what's up? What else? What do you got in your, uh, what else? Yeah, so I, let's see. Um, well, kind of going off of the, the, the Pacific side of things, Pearl Harbor. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was another good I one. I had that on my list as well, although I haven't watched that in a long time. It's I, it's like my memory of it. It's, yeah, yeah, it's I remember it being long. very long. And it's I remember, very historically inaccurate. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's Michael Bay. I mean, he's like... I mean, it's a great movie. Hey, this is going to look like a Transformers movie that yeah, happens definitely at Pearl Harbor. <laughs> one of the coolest experiences, so Kayla and I went to Hawaii uh, last year for a wedding. Yeah, that's right. And, and we did the whole Pearl Harbor deal. And I would it, love to do that. Dude, it was so cool. It was, it was just very unique to see... Um, just the history over there because like, sh- you know, she was in it just to kind of be there and yeah. I love every minute of it with her, but she's like, like I was diving yeah. into like all of the little signs, right? And, yeah. like, You're like reading up on, yeah, yeah. they had a map and like where we were standing, not on the ship, but to board the ship, there was a map of like what it looked like back in 1944, or oh, 1945. Okay. Yeah. And like where we were standing was where like basically everything got bombed. Which oh, is like really crazy to think about. Wow! Did you guys right? go out to the Arizona? Uh, no. So we oh. were, yeah. The, we it's we, a crazy experience. It was still kind of COVID time, so it was hard to like oh. get the whole experience with the Arizona. But we did go to the battleship, the um, Missouri. The Missouri, yeah. We did go to the the Missouri, and then we went to the um, the airplane museum. Mm. Um, that was on the land too. And just seeing some of those, so cool, dude, seeing some of the fighter planes and just the, the Missouri was so cool. And then where Japan physically surrendered to the U S was on the Missouri. Oh, okay. Um, so like, there's like a whole the pictures insane. Of that the, surrender. the picture's wild. And then like, there's like a whole encapsulation of like, you can't stand there because that's where like the Japanese and the U S shook hands basically like on the Whoa. ship. And it had like a whole engraving around it. Very, very cool experience. Whoa. Right. Their zone is like crazy though to think because there's still mm-hmm. bodies inside. Yeah. And they're trapped. And and you can, you know, Jesus. when you stand over it, because one, you go there and you have to be quiet because it's a memorial, right? There's, like I said, there's dead people underneath you, but it's still leaking oil. When we were there, it was still leaking oil. Mm-hmm. Whoa. And we were there in seventh grade year. So. How long ago was that? That was a long time ago. Like, like 40 years. Oh, six, somewhere in there. Oh, seven. But it's it's like, it's a crazy thing to think about that there's still oil leaking up from this ship that sank at the start of World War II for the U.S. Right. Oh and there's God, still people trapped inside. Like, people have loved ones that are still inside of this ship. So have they ever made attempts to dive down there and free those bodies at all? Or no? I think they did, and then they realized that at this at this point, I don't think there's going to be anything that you other would, than bones, right? Right, be like skeletons, I guess. Right. I don't even know. I mean, maybe I'm thinking too hard because, like the Titanic, there's nothing. Huh. So, like, if you go into the Titanic, you're not going to see any dead bodies. You'll see shoes. Huh. And if you so it all some pretty much soil, but dissolves? the Titanic also well, but they're so lo- deep with the pressure that yeah, oh, it would just okay. dissolve your bones. I don't know about because that's shallow, like. When you're on, like I said, yeah, you're on the platform and the ship is literally like right there. Right there. You just see it. Mm-hmm. Like here, I'll like pull it up on Google Earth, and you can see it from Google Earth when you. It's just interesting zoom in. that they've never made attempts to like salvage all that and bring it up. You know, what yeah, I mean? they just left it there. Right. That's kind of curious. To but me. I think, like you know, it's it's this, you know it's a reminder we were attacked. Well, you know? yeah. I guess yeah, I can understand that. But I mean, if you just think about it, like how many cities were completely obliterated in Europe that they rebuilt? You know, it's not right. like they just left the crumbled structures right. s- sitting there. But it's not like Honolulu <clears throat> was obliterated, right? It was just Pearl Harbor got hit, and it's one of those things that 
I think they realized uh, like rest or like pulling this shit up is expensive. One, two, well, it's yeah, like yeah, you know what do we need to do? Because dude, it would be so cool to go into like a submarine and just go through the Pacific waters. Like yeah. if you knew where everything was and you could just get there and see all these yeah. sunken battleships and planes and all that. Don't, I'm but, just kind of thinking out loud, but don't you just think that that would be like something they would have dug up and put in a museum somewhere or something like yeah, that? Yeah, you, you know think, what I mean? I mean, or at least parts of the ship or something. I mean, yeah, you just look at different types of history, right? Yeah. Like with the Titanic, for example, like we yeah. basically dug up the Titanic. We created an entire documentary of like what it would look right, like if right. we drained the ocean and what mm-hmm. the Titanic did, right? So you would yeah. think we'd do something very similar, but yeah, there you go. So it's, yeah, it's insane. Like, like with, it's out of the water. Yeah, like when you're standing wow. on that white platform, because that white platform is like, it's massive. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not it's a little huge. white platform, but like, you can literally look down, and there's probably, I don't know, maybe 12 inches between you and like the boat Jesus. of like like the bottom of the white platform. Yeah, it's super and the boat. shallow then. Oh yeah. My God. yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <clears throat> I would love to go visit this. So, what, what island is this on again? It's this is Oahu. 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 If you fly into Honolulu, like Pearl Harbor is like right, right in Honolulu. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, like that, so that map that I was talking about, like all of those trees and stuff, no, like, I think that's the map or that was part of the this, map. This is the is Arizona. That, so this oh, is that's like Arizona. the map of the okay. Arizona. Yeah. I don't know if we'll see anything. Yeah. So like all of those trees and stuff that you see in the background, right. that was all airstrip, oh. which was crazy. Right. So if you back out here. Yeah. Like that's all an airstrip, airstrip and that's, yeah. Um, here's like the current base. Mm-hmm. And then there was another, I don't know if it's still there or not, but there's another, yeah, right here. Yeah, there's the other uh, military Army base Airfield. right there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, very, very cool experience. I would very, love to go see that. Yeah, just very like, again, I just like going to read all that kind of yeah, stuff yeah. and just put myself, kind of what we were talking about earlier, put yourself in those shoes yeah, of yeah. what were the people on Oahu thinking, and then all of a sudden... Like they're just on a casual day on December was it December seventh, right? December seventh. Just my mom's birthday. That's casual day. A day which will live in forty-one. Forty-one. Oh yeah, forty-one. Yeah, yeah forty-one. <laughs> right. Just a casual day, and then all of a sudden you just start hearing yeah. alarms go off. Yep. Right. Crazy. Um, too too late. Of this is something I did not know. I wasn't paying attention to this, but uh, Taya's dad told me that I asked for her hand in marriage on December seventh. <laughs> He was like, I remember it because it was on it was on in Pearl Harbor Day. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh well, two oh. big moments. You know, I my guess, favorite my part life. of Pearl Pearl Harbor the movie is when they go to like the Japanese admiral who was in charge of, and I don't know if he actually said this in real life, but he goes, "I'm afraid we just woke a sleeping giant." Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm like, yep. yeah, you fucking did. Well, because up until that point, you know, the war is raging in Europe, and the U.S. was staying out of it. Right. For we were the most like, part. yeah, whatever. Until that, and that's day. like that's like being you know the big kid on the playground is staying out of the scuffle until someone like sucker punches him. It's like, all right, well, fucking. But isn't that I'm also funny too? Like, like we weren't considered <clears throat> the big kid on the playground, and then all of a sudden, like Japan attacked us, and factories just whipped up overnight yeah, and all of a sudden yeah. it was like 500 tanks and planes and ships were being pushed out and people were like holy fuck yeah. right. and then we were like yo we're sending millions to you know europe and then we're sending millions over to the pacific and all of a sudden we're like yo fuck you japan here's two bombs and japan's like all right yeah so crazy what did we just do so going off of kind of what we were just talking about that was I had uh, Pearl Harbor, and then I had Midway, Greyhound, and Unbroken. Those were my list oh, of nice. movies. Okay. And then last but not least is Fury. But before we get into that one, 
uh, books, right? Because we were talking about books yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah. Countdown to <clears throat> 1945. Um, I think I've told you about that one. Okay. Countdown to 1945. One of my all-time favorite reads or listens okay. of the events that happened. Right, of, I'm gonna add it. I'm gonna add it to my good reads right now. Yeah, of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Countdown to 1945. Correct. Okay. Yep. So basically, I I got the audible version. Um, just because I like listening to them when I'm driving and stuff and whatnot, but uh, it's by it's by uh, Is it Chris Chris Wallace. Yep, yeah, Chris Wallace wrote it. Found it. I'm gonna add it. Um, it looks like that. Yep, yep. So basically, what this book is about is it's it's built around each chapter is a specific time leading oh, up to the event. Did, did I tell you about this. that? Yeah, this yep. is familiar. Now. So okay. like. Chapter one is like August 6th, 1940. And he, Chris Wallace goes into detail about what was going on in the world around then. Mm -hmm. Chapter two is labeled like, like September 18th, 1941. And it just kind of gives you a a side by side of what's going on in the world and what's leading the U S to develop this bomb and stuff. Yeah. And then basically it goes all the way up until detonation rather and then oh, what had happened afterwards. Interesting. Super interesting read. Super interesting listen, too. Um, the Manhattan Project's a fucking fast. That's well, crazy, too. So both of your comments just reminded me. I added a book. Just I've In the last like two weeks, I've added probably 15 books about World War II onto my Goodreads mm-hmm. list. One of them is called American Prometheus, and it's all about J. Robert Oppenheimer, who's like the father of the atomic right. bomb. That book is the Thanks, subject Germany. of... Christopher Nolan's movie, next movie coming out next year called Oppenheimer. I'm okay, pretty fucking excited about that. That's right. Yeah, that. I was pumped about that when, that's you, when be, I saw that's that trailer. Awesome. Yeah. Now, flip rolls real quick. Imagine he never fled Germany and he developed right. this bomb for Germany. Fucking yep. Things would have gone way different. Yeah. We Crazy. probably wouldn't exist. Or if we did, yeah. we'd be speaking German right now. Yeah. Right. Well, to that end, I think I mentioned this to um, to Francie the other night because I – I've been trying to talk. This is why I was so excited to have this podcast is to have other people, right. like-minded people who are interested in World War II that I can just talk about it with. Francie's like, because eh. yeah, you know, Ty is just like, yeah, I don't really care. It's not that interesting. I'm like, how is this not fascinating to you? Anyway, um, I was telling her that my dad actually told me because my grandpa on my dad's side fought in World War II in the Pacific Theater, and my dad is a is a big student of World War II as well, and he was basically telling me he's like, you know, there's a very legitimate possibility that had the nuclear warheads not been dropped on Japan, I might not be here, meaning my dad, and then consequently I wouldn't be here because I guess my grandfather had fought, I think, on Iwo Jima, survived, and then towards the end, right before the bombs were about to get dropped, they were actually planning this giant offensive into Japan with like hundreds of thousands of, of allied soldiers. Yeah. And my grandpa was going to be one of those soldiers. And he, my dad was saying, <clears throat> if you study, I forget what the name of that operation was, was building up to be, but he was saying they were expecting like hundreds of thousands yeah, of casualties. And he's well, like, your, your grandfather could have been one of those. That was part of the invasion of like Taiwan right now. Like yeah, okay, Taiwan so is the island where like the U S and allies realized had they invaded, they would have taken casualties that weren't acceptable because it massive, would have been massive right. quarter a million yeah. plus that they were like, yeah. we're guaranteeing it will be a quarter million plus yeah. casualties. And everyone's like, we can't take that yeah. risk. Right. Because- so well, it's crazy you say that because that's <clears throat> that specific 
like option or that specific, I guess you could say, dilemma is is in that countdown 1945. Oh, interesting. Book. Okay. Like I remember when it gets closer to the time, they basically have to face that decision, right? Yeah, and I won't like, spoil it, but they have to make the decision of do we send do we send this amount, send of, men this in? amount yeah. of men in, or do we trust this guy who's yeah. been building these two. Yeah. apparently things that are going to destroy the entire planet. Right. They and didn't really know what it was. We didn't know. Do. Yeah. They didn't know what it was. Which route do we go down? Yeah. So then they both make good arguments in the book. Like yeah. listening to it, excuse me, both arguments seem very like legitimate. Right. But at the end of the day, obviously history yeah. tells the well, story. But when, when my dad told me that, that's one of those things where, you know, I, I used that the word earlier in our discussion. Like it's very sobering to mm-hmm. think about because like you, you learn about that in school and you're like, oh my God, this is like horrific exclamation point on the end of this devastating war that encapsulated the whole world. But you don't think about like the actual personal relation to those events because it seems like it happened so long ago to when you're existing. But it's like, again, you can draw this direct correlation of like that bomb doesn't get dropped. My grandfather has to get sent in on this offensive and dies. I'm not here today. Right. Very fucking crazy. pretty crazy to think about. <laughs> like, well, and if you think about it too, the death total from a possible invasion compared to dropping the two bombs, you could sit there and go, well, more people might have died from the invasion overall than just dropping the two bombs. And it's like, can you ju- can you justify a nuclear bomb being dropped though? Like, right. It ended the war. I mean, dude, at that time and age, like you sit there and you go, hey, we won the war. But then you st- take a step back and you go, like right now, if I was a military commander, you can't. You don't attack civilians. Yeah. You know, Johnny and his sister did nothing wrong. Yeah. You don't drop a fucking bomb and annihilate them. Right. If you drop a bomb and it hits an air force base or a naval base, and you destroy that, all right, that's war. Like they're soldiers. They're a part of this war. Yeah. They didn't drop <clears throat> it on like factories and shit. They fucking just, just a city. Boom. Like and just Denver. <laughs> flatten the city, and yeah. it's like we won the war, but. If you sit, take a step back, and you like become a human again, you're like, at what cost? At what just, cost? Because right. like Band of Brothers, one of the episodes, they sum it up really go good. He goes, "I was doing what I had to do, and he was doing what he had to do. But if we met on different circumstances, we might have been friends. Exactly. He, he might yeah. like to fish yeah. and hunt, and I like to fish and hunt. Right. And it's like you really put it into perspective. The people you're shooting at are being told to shoot at you, and you're right. being told to shoot at them." But you two might have way more in common. Yeah. Yeah. And you, but you sit there and you go, they're bad. I have to kill them. And they go, they're bad. I have to kill yeah. them. And it's just like this. I, I think about that a lot when I see World War II stuff. And, and you think about, like, I think a lot of, obviously, a lot of PTSD comes from just the shock of being next to giant explosions and bullets flying by you and actually being shot and seeing your friends being shot and all of that. But also, think about like the, weight on your conscience of having to just slaughter other human beings. Right. And it's like, you know, kind of to your point, you don't have anything personally against these people. They're just a cog in a wheel of a giant military machine just like you are, and they're being told by their superiors who are being told by their superiors and so on up the line all the way to Hitler and all the way to Winston Churchill or whoever it is to go do this thing. Right. And it's like Hey man, I don't have anything against this random lieutenant in this army, but like he's trying to kill me. Right. So if I don't I'm, kill him, he kills right, me. Yeah, and right. it's just like you have this whole when you have 
hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people thinking that way, you just end up with this giant just, war that well, wages on for years. Well, and then you have yeah. propaganda being pushed in every country where, like, yeah. you know, in the you U.S. You got to think they're the enemy. Everyone's right. trying to convince everyone I mean, they're like, the enemy. In yeah. the U.S. against Japan, we were attacked, so it made it easier to push propaganda being like, they're an enemy, they attacked us, they're trying to hurt us. Right. Europe, we didn't really get attacked. We were like, we're going to go help our friends. Right. But then it becomes they're pushing this propaganda of, you know, Nazis are bad. And you yeah. do learn that, you know, the fascism and what they right. believed in truly right. is bad and they were really bad people. But the private of the Nazi army probably wasn't a bad person. Mm-hmm. He was probably going, if I don't go, I'm going to die anyways. Right. Like, they're right. going to kill me if I don't enlist. And yep. so I might as well go die in the hands of someone else that yep. at this country. And. It's just a fuck. It's it's like a fascinating thing to think about that. It's like yeah. Well, what I was gonna mention too is, I remember when I learned about like Hiroshima and Nagasaki in school. I was thinking about imagine being the president and making or the military commanders that are giving the order to do that. But even take it a step further and imagine being the guys on the plane that dropped that bomb. Yeah. But see, at the time, they probably celebrated. They're like, look what we just fucking did. But yeah, then but you if take you a step back and think back and, and also look at the devastation that it caused and, and start. I don't even know how your mind could wrap itself around the fact that you were just directly on the trigger of the deaths of like th- Tens of thousands Dude, of people in, okay. the f- in the blink that's, of an eye. That's why with the firing line... It's fucking crazy. They, there's like two people that have an actual bullet. Everyone else has blanks. Right, because right, right. Then right. out of the 10 people or whatever, no one has that. Like, I just it shot... It doesn't have that wing on right. your conscience. A person, yeah, it yeah. was like, I shot. I don't know if I had the, the right. bullet or not. So either you're all 10 are going to feel guilty. You're going to sit there and be like, I shot, but I don't know if I right. killed him or not. Right. Like, I can feel a little less guilty. But those guys on that plane... There wasn't a blank. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> but a, they know exactly see, what happened. That, you got to read that book did, because in that book he goes firsthand experience of like what they went through and what they said. I won't spoil it, but wow. I like on, I, uh, what was it? Enola Gay on and, the Enola uh, Gay. Yeah, and what what did they name the bombs? It was um, Fat Boy and Fat a Little Boy. Man or yeah. little, little Little Tom or something like that. Something. But to just that effect, imagine yeah. like loading that bomb. What? That's what yeah. my grandpa did in Korea. He was loading bombs on the planes. My so my grandfather worked in Los Alamos. He he helps. Well, I don't know exactly what he does. <laughs> what he does now is all top. He's retired yeah. now, but yeah. he was top secret. But from what he told me when I was growing up, he w- would write the procedures on how to handle the atomic waste and like the the nuclear type. Whoa. stuff that they've got to deal with. He was the person in charge of like writing the procedures on safety, right? Like that's that's, that's what heavy I heavy duty shit, man. Yeah, use gloves and <laughs> yeah, use gloves. Put your goggles on, <laughs> right? Put your mask um, on. <laughs> crazy times, dude. But uh, yeah, wild. So yeah, that's that's the extent of my my movie and okay. book list. I have some books. We can get together. I won't go through all of them, but I'll, I'll we can get together after the podcast. And I I have literally added like probably no lie ten or fifteen mm-hmm. in the last like week. Of all just stuff that I'm like, that sounds crazy. That right. sounds super interesting. And then, so my dad's the one who gave me the Forgotten 500. I read it and then I just gave it to him because he hasn't read it yet. So right. I'm letting him borrow it. And then he actually, we did like a little book exchange and he handed me two that are, I got them at the house. I can show you um, sometime soon. But they're, I guess he has a real fascination with the Eastern Front, like the Germans versus the Russians. Mm. Dude, that's where he likes to learn, to learn about, and, more. And that's something that... Stalingrad. I'm, yeah. Watch yeah. Stalingrad. My fucking God, dude. Fucking Stalingrad. Crazy. So um, 
he it's interesting because you know like you sit a bunch of people down in a room who are interested in world war ii and maybe some of them are like really interested in the war with japan in the pacific some yeah. of them are interested in the european theater some of them like my dad he finds the the russian front right. far more fascinating than anything else and he has these two books that he just gave me and he's like they're incredible he's like you got to read them and they're basically like first-hand accounts they're memoirs of German soldiers on the front lines fighting mm. against the Russians in like the winter of whatever that was, 1944, 1945. Dude, talk about mass casualties. Oh my God, dude. I can't even. When he's The one thing my dad was telling me, he's like, I'll let you read them and, and like form your own opinions and everything. But he's like, one thing you get from this is like kind of what we were just talking about is they're just a lot of these soldiers on the front lines that are privates or whatever. They're just regular German yeah. guys that unless are in the, the S- military unless you're yeah. in the ss you were like yeah. i have to fight otherwise i'm gonna die right yeah right. and they're, they're just kind of like i feel like i have to be here they weren't particularly like evil there was it was they're just the mirror german image of a private in the u.s military they're just like well my country's going to war i guess i gotta go fight but then they're just describing like what it was like just freezing and starving fighting against this Russian onslaught and but getting totally like surrounded. Fucking... And, oh my god, dude! Sounds just like one of the worst times and worst places to exist ever. Well, jumping to a different movie, kind of going back to one of the things we talked about with like Japan compared to like the European countries. If you killed Hitler, you more or less won the war. Yeah, like there'd be a few officers that might be able to take over, but they didn't have that overall vision that Hitler did. So they probably been like, "We can survive if we just back off." Valkyrie is such a and it's based on a true fucking story but you gotta sit there and think I don't know if there was anybody inside the US government that was trying to kill generals and the president and anything during World War II because that's not how we would have gone about it but he had officers inside his own army realizing what was going on going yeah holy shit this guy's out of of control out of control we're gonna lose he's you know had they stopped the invasion not invaded France or anything you realize like Germany would be a lot bigger. Like people would have probably been like, yeah, whatever, like do what you did, whatever, like leave it. And he had officers trying to kill him and all this. Have you ever seen that one kill? Mm -mm. It's Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Valkyrie. I don't think that's one of the ones that's really touted as being super historically accurate, but it is loosely based on actual events. Well, the event with the briefcase that actually was accurate. It's basically about like German military, high ranking German military officers. Staging like and plotting a coup within the German military, and and uh, as far as I understand it, I mean, someone could correct me out there if I'm wrong. I don't know a lot about the history here, but Hitler had multiple attempts on his life from within his own military, right? From these, mm. from the this, like, SS, the yeah, the actual German military was like they're like this guy because to-, to them it would almost be like you're a part of the military and some opposite political ideology of you gains power over the military and then they start dictating and telling you where to go who like to kill play. Right. right and it's like well yes i am a member of the american or the german military but i don't necessarily agree with where we're going and what we're doing i don't i don't think we should be doing this i think this is a was, more extreme ideology and just because right. they're in control doesn't mean i agree with it so it's like you it's almost if you could imagine high-ranking like military generals in the u.s military if we got involved in some armored or armed conflict being like staging an actual coup within the u.s military to try and 
assassinate high-ranking generals right. or the commander-in-chief or whoever it may be because they don't agree with like what military strategies we're taking. Like It's hard to wrap your head around, but that shit was actually happening right. during World War II with the, with the German well, army. And then, it's crazy. Not necessarily on the same page as that, but kind of in the same realm as Allied, which is a Brad Pitt movie. I'm a big fan of that one. I just added that and the other day. It's, yeah. Have you seen Allied? Mm-mm. It's where Brad Pitt I like is. That one. I think he's an officer in the um, English military, and his wife acts like she's all you know, this good girl, but she's actually a spy for the Germans. Yes, and then so, she tries to play it off like she's a double spy. Yeah. So the uh, I think he's actually movie. a Canadian military because I just watched the trailer right. again the other he's day Canadian and I was looking stuff up about it. England. Yeah, and they're the two of them go on some mission to assassinate some Nazi military members. And he basically, so they're just like agents sent in by their military. They're they're more spies and less soldiers. Um, and then they end up. He's like, well, what are you going to do after the war? Type thing. And he ends up like kind of falling for her, and they go get married, and they have a kid. And then his government or his like spy overseers take him aside one day, and they're like, we believe your wife is a German spy. And he's like. Bullshit and, all and like the and, nanny and yeah. all yeah, of this shit yeah. and like she only trusted her kid with certain people right and so then the whole the whole time you're trying to figure out like well is she a German spy is she not and he's trying to like find evidence that she's not while they're trying to find evidence that she is so the more you guys I I think I have seen bits and pieces that's of a this. good one I like that it's one a good, it's a it's kind of a mind bender because you sit yeah, there right. and you're like oh shit right. that one's kind of an underrated one I feel like it came out within yeah. the last few years and it doesn't get mentioned a lot but right. I I enjoyed that one I like yeah that I love that yeah. And then the only other movies I really had on my list that aren't like action packed were kind of like the, um, like Schindler's List. You have like The Pianist. I had Casablanca, which is a great fucking movie. If you haven't seen Casablanca, I've never seen, I Casablanca. seen Casablanca. Old, old movie, very old, great right. fucking yeah. movie. I loved it. That's like considered one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. yeah. The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. I've heard of that one. Um, Letters from Iwo Jima is a great movie. Never seen that. I've heard of you guys that. I've never seen anything good. Have you seen Stalingrad? No. Watch no. it. Just watch it. Fury. We didn't talk about Fury. I'm a big fan of that. Just Fucking watch that big, last week. Big again. fan. So good. So good. We finally got a movie inside of a tank, and they had to so put one pussy in there. But. Can I just shout out Brad Pitt for starring in three pretty damn good World yep. War II movies, yep. Glorious Bastards, Allied, and Fury? Yep. Shout out to Brad Pitt, man. He's probably in more that we don't know about. He probably is, but those are those are like the three well known. Um, the Monuments Men. Have you seen that? Yeah, I wasn't as big of a fan on. I put that on my list, and I was going to talk to you guys about that. It's real slow yeah. to me. I don't know. Have you ever heard of that one, Caleb? Nope. It's basically it's got like the greatest cast ever assembled in a movie. It's like George Clooney and Matt Damon, and it's like Inglorious all, all these people. Oh, it's got like, everybody. It's got okay. a lot of people. I could pull up the the cast, but like it's essentially about and going back to our earlier conversation about how like the the Nazis just had their tentacles and everything. Right. It's basically about these guys that all they're all like kind of like history professors or mm-hmm. art professors and like art historians who get like hired by the allied forces to like go in and basically steal back stolen art mm-hmm. from the Nazis that they had like cuz you know the they German the German army is is huge. steamrolling all these countries and they're also like just stealing right. the culture of, of right. these countries that they've invaded, right? So there's just like all this amazing like French artwork and sculptures and Rome, all this kind of well, stuff. And Rome was they were part of the Axis powers. Yeah, but like Fuck this stuff that like the Nazis were just gonna hoard and steal. And so they hired like all these guys to go in and like 
locate this stuff and steal it back essentially like towards the end of the war i think it's a cool concept but the movie's kind of slow i remember yeah. not liking it that much but granted i haven't seen it in a long time so Is yeah that- I, put, I put it on there and then i had defiance oh great movie all right i, I had that on my list too you need to add that it's got uh, daniel craig in his pre james bond actually this might have been right around the time he like first starred in casino royale but one of his earlier movies and then leave schreiber is in it too and then another guy who's been in quite a bit of other stuff, you would recognize him if you saw him, but it's basically like about these three brothers. It's based on a true they're, story. They're Jewish brothers. And they basically like take hundreds of like Jewish refugees and hide them from the Germans in like the forests of, and, I don't know where well, they're and at. And then they, they link up with, I think it's Polish. Poland um, and Belarus. Yeah. 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 So they, they link up with like yeah. Polish, um, why can't anything, rebels who yeah. are fighting the yeah. Germans. Yeah. fighting back so they end up linking up with them and it's like that's a good they're their movie, own little dude. like military yeah. you know, force they're like a little guerrilla military back. and they're like sheltering all these jewish refugees and they're like you know simultaneously like training them how to fight and right. use weapons and all this kind of stuff that's a dude, good a call dude that's a really movie. underrated world war ii movie i'm a big fan it's of a that great movie. fucking movie. yeah i'll have yeah. to watch that one now it sounds good was that was that the that end was of your, it? I'm trying to I think was, of if anything I had on here that you, you guys missed because you guys touched on a lot of them. I watched. I can't remember what it was called, but I, there's one that I watched. It took place in Northern Africa, um, and it's not Casablanca, but it was another. It was like an action-packed one, and I'm like, I've never seen a World War II movie happening in the desert, and yeah, I was like fascinated yeah. by it. That's another. I can't remember. That's what another it was. like segment of World War II that I know next to nothing about is like the African campaigns. Um, and looking through the list here, I think you guys touched on all of them except for. So I just watched this last night. Have you guys ever seen the Imitation Game with Benedict Cumberbatch? It sounds familiar. I have seen. No, I haven't. I've seen the trailer for it. It's Is it's pretty Netflix? good. It's on Netflix. Yeah, and, and, I've seen and the actually, this one and Darkest Hour, which I just rewatched for the first time. Um, well, for the first time in a while, but this past week, they're both on Netflix right now, so you can just go on there and watch them. But. Imitation Game is about Alan Turing, who is basically the father of the modern day computer, and he gets like hired by the British military to work on cracking the what was called the German Enigma code machine, and it was basically how the German military sent information back and forth to each other, and it was all coded. And I guess they hired all these mathematicians to try and crack this code, but the problem was he was saying, I think, so I just watched it last night, and he was saying, like, even if they had, like, 20 men working on every code every day, every week for an entire year or whatever, it would take them, like, 20 million years to crack the codes just because of how complex the cryptography was and all this kind of stuff. So he, instead of working on cracking the codes by pen and paper, like all the other, like, brilliant mathematicians that they bring in, works on building a computer, like the world's first computer, and by the end of, you know, spoiler alert for a historical <laughs> event, but by the end of the war, we figured it, out. it works. And they end up cracking the German Enigma code. And that basically becomes like the first version of what we now consider to be computers today. It's a pretty fascinating story. So Matt's got the trailer pulled up. And after watching the trailer, I'm pretty positive I've actually seen this yeah. movie. I'm pretty sure I have. I just I don't remember the events of it. But it it came out a few years ago, and Benedict okay. Cumberbatch got nominated for an Oscar for this. He's really good in this, and yeah. I I had seen it when it first came out, but 
last night was the first time I'd watched it since like 2014 yeah. or whenever it came out, but it's good. I'm, yeah. It has it's Tywin not, Lannister in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not as action packed, obviously as like a fury or a saving private Ryan, right. but it's still, it's just but one of those the shit you don't like hear about. And right. This is shit that's right. like massively important. One well, apparently th- his story was like top secret for over 50 years mm-hmm. after, because actually, I won't go into that. Just watch the movie. There's actually an added layer to his story that makes it even more interesting than what I was just talking about. Like after they successfully crack the code and his computer works, how they decide to use it is a super fascinating story. Yeah. And that's how all of it became like suppressed and was classified for like half a century. But I recommend the imitation game. Um, I'm trying to think. So Matt had Defiance on on his list, and I had that on here. That was going to be if, if if neither of you guys mentioned it, I was going to be like, "You guys too good of a movie Defiance. to pass up." Um, I had Allied Valkyrie. Um, so I had I had the Monuments Men, and then you brought up Hacksaw Ridge. I've actually seen that. The only other one that like we haven't mentioned that I just randomly thought of during this conversation is Overlord. Have you guys ever heard of Overlord? Yeah, but that's like a heavily <laughs> fictional. Yeah, for sure. But it's basically to go back to our conversation earlier about how like the the Nazi scientists were like experimenting on people. Um, Overlord is a completely bonkers, ridiculous movie, but it is set during World War II, and it's basically about these American soldiers who get kind of stranded in this German town, and they end up finding, stumbling across this, like, underground, sick, gory, like, human experimental hospital that these Nazis have, and... Long story short, Nazi zombies. <laughs> so it's, it's a, just a Nazi. It's a pretty movie. fucking ridiculous movie, but I just wanted to mention. It. I saw it a few years ago. I think I think I've actually seen that. Yeah. Oh, it's called Overland, right? It's called or, Overlord. O- Overlord. I think. Yeah. I think I've seen that actually. I, I liked it, but it was like it was one of those movies. How you know how it's frustrating when you feel like a movie comes up like just shy of yep. being truly awesome. Right. That's what happened with that movie. I right. was like, right towards the end, it could have gotten awesome and it just didn't. And I was like, ah, well, see, yeah. that's, that's fine. But whatever. I saw the preview to that and then all of a sudden they bring in the zombies and I was like, you fucking ruined it. See, I was like, I, I grew up playing, you know, Nazi oh, yeah. zombies on Call of Duty. I'm like, they made a Nazi zombies movie. I'm fucking seeing this. Right, like inject right. that straight into my veins. Like I'm yeah. all in. Well, and that's even crazy too. I mean, not only have we talked about books, but we've talked about movies and like the fact that Infinity Ward has created or just the general oh, yeah. Call of Duty series of just creating those yeah. video games down the road yep. or like in the past have been so I don't know how I I don't know how historically accurate any of that is, but right, like right. as somebody who used to play video games and as a kid, you would kind of get an understanding of like yeah. what what a kind of what soldier would go it, through. Yeah, what, right. a, what the experience would be like. Right, yeah, right, right. For sure. I also had a bridge too far. It's an older one. It was made I've heard of in, that one for uh, sure. 77. Great fucking movie. Yeah. So the, the thing about, and I was kind of talking about this. I don't know if it was before we started recording or not, but the problem with like looking up lists of like the best World War II movies is a lot of them came out like decades ago. Yeah. And I've just never seen them, but they're supposedly really amazing. Like, the Great Escape with Paul Newman, I guess, is really great. That's a World War II like POW movie. Never seen that. Never seen Casablanca. So there's like a lot that. This is why I was like, I feel like if we try and put a bracket together, it, it would be a little be bit disingenuous to, yeah. for me to be like, Saving Private Ryan is the best World War II movie right. ever made, and then people are like, Hey man, Casablanca is like the best movie do ever you, created. Do like, you think then like? I mean, if there's so many movies that have been made about World War II in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s, 
Do you think that those would be more historically accurate because they're closer to the time frame of like maybe World War Two? I would say they would be more historically accurate just because the cinematography wasn't as advanced as it is now, so they had to try and portray things a lot more accurately than we did now. Because you also got to think, we got Google at our fingertips, and when they were making those movies, mm-hmm. you had a textbook. And you had your grandpa or your dad right. telling you the story. Eyewitness. So right. yeah. everybody that did it, it wasn't necessarily, hey, we need this to be, you know, this gory, crazy movie. It was like, make it an accurate historical story. Yeah. Um, so I'd say it was probably a lot more accurate back then. But I will say one thing. I mean, I could see that argument of how it's just being closer to the actual events themselves. It would be more historically accurate. But one thing that... If you study history, I mean, obviously, the further away you get from the events, sometimes the more muddy things can become just in terms of like facts of like what actually happened versus accounts that are written down or rumors and all this kind of stuff. But with more time passing, you do have the perspective or the benefit of like historical perspective of learning. more. And like and more now we right. have 80 years worth of people studying World War II as like an actual field of study and all of the different accounts that have been written down and new declassified military files that have, you know, are now unclassified after decades of, of being hidden and no one knew about them. And like, you, I think you have a better understanding in some facets as more time passes versus being like right after World War II ends. But then again, obviously, if you make a 9-11 movie in... 2008 it's going to be more fresh in everyone's mind than if you make a 9-11 movie in 2060 you know what right. i mean like well and you also have to think too though is like now kind of like arguing the point i just made we can make a movie or a show with two perspectives you can do the perspective of you know say the american versus the japanese so you can do the american perspective and then all of a sudden you can flip to the japanese perspective yeah because we have you know back when you if if it was the 50s or 60s we're not going to sit here like we just beat them in a world war we're not right, going to try right, and right, right. interview all their people and get their side of the story first yeah. to no try one's, and push that movie no american through. audiences are interested right. in that yeah. we want to know about the american heroes and that's it but now right. a lot of people are like hey this is like you said 80 years ago japan's one of our closest allies like we learned we grew from it let's you know show us what the Japanese side of it was. Yeah, and so yeah. you can get like both sides and truly understand get a more nuanced perspective, what was going yeah. on because yeah, you know, like you said, the Japanese weren't going to give up. So we kind of yeah. had to do what we did, mm-hmm. but we wouldn't have known that. Like we could have invaded and there, you know, kids are sitting there with a stick charging you and you're right. like, what the fuck am I supposed to do against yeah, exactly. a kid? Like yeah, yeah. he's got a stick. He doesn't have anything that can hurt me, but it's like, do you kill him or not? Because he's just going to keep hitting you yeah. no matter what you do. Or like, and it's just- like, women in the streets that are going to pick up arms like against you and shoot at you. Like what what do you do about that? I mean, American sniper puts that into context in the craziest of ways. Oh yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good speaking of that. I was thinking about that. We need to do like a, uh, a modern war movie. I would be down as well. Because that would would be fine. Cause those movies are fucking insane. And there's a lot of really good ones too. Dude, by the way, American sniper, I need to get uh loan the, uh, Chris, the, the what movie were there? What movie am I talking about? Where they're overseas and Lone Ranger? No, uh, uh, they're overseas on that. Oh, one. Um, Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. If you have that book, yeah, it's it's at my parents' Dude, house somewhere. Okay. Have you watched the Joe Rogan with the? Marcus oh yeah, Marcus Luttrell was on the oh, Joe Marcus Luttrell's on that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I didn't know that. Dude, crazy fucking episode. He's a he's a fucking. Savage, have you watched and listen to the one with uh, Jocko Willink? 
that guy's a fucking psycho. He's a savage too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I would, I would love to do kind of to go back to what we were saying about like the, the brackets. If you divvy it up into like, this obviously was a world war two centric episode, but we could do one all on like modern war films. I'd be super down. I mean, I would rather not do a bracket. I would just do what we did. Today that's what because, I mean. Like, oh, like, yeah. Not, not a bracket, just like an episode. But I think, Outside of World War II and modern war films, I don't know what other war or time period we could pick where you have as great of a wealth of movies to choose from. You, you could look at Vietnam. Yeah, um, there's been a bunch a of Vietnam was, movies. That's true. But like Korea, you know, is like the lost war. Yeah. You, you could maybe find somewhere on the Gulf War. Because um, there's like a handful about like the Civil War and the Revolutionary War, but not that many. You know what I mean? It's, like it's, there's, it's hard though. Those we weren't There weren't a lot of like historically, yeah. you know, I mean, and the, the other thing that's that's Free also State of Jones. If you're gonna watch a Civil War, I haven't War seen movie, that one. Free State is of it Jones. good? It's fucking good. Yeah, I feel like the only one I've ever really seen. Well, never mind. That's and not the a Patriots, Civil War. obviously, the Patriots fucking, a Revolutionary yeah. War movie, but um, yeah, I'm I'm down to come back and we'll just run it back and we'll do like yeah, modern, I would modern say a war modern films. war film because you have like Active Valor, you have American Sniper, you've got Zero Dark Thirty, uh, Zero, Zero Dark Thirty, yeah. Zero Dark. The Hurt Locker. The Hurt there's Locker. a lot of good ones. Yeah, there's quite Lone a few. Lone Survivor. There's a lot of really good ones. Yeah, so many good ones. Yeah, and cool. but, I mean like we we have to we might be able to bring in like Gulf War era type stuff like nineties. Right. Yeah, because there's actually quite a few that have been made. About I mean, we that could talk too. about the Cold War because that spanned from after World War II till the Cold War. That's the actually not a bad idea because there's a lot of really excellent spy movies <sighs> yeah. set during the Cold War. Yeah, that's a, it's a great time for like spy thriller. Oh, with the name of James Bond. And then yeah. we could dive into more space. And we have a space. space race. Oh yeah, that ties into. The, see, we <laughs> right. got ideas for episodes. So space cowboys. I think it's safe to say that our guest of honor, Caleb, is going to be back for more episodes. Not if Luna doesn't I, like him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'll get her to like me. But no, that was fun. That was a lot of time. I appreciate you guys bringing me out. Yeah, I'm that's glad you could come time. over, man. We'll, uh, I like love I said, talking about this shit. So. Dude, me it too. It worked a lot yeah. better with us three than it has with previous guests. Yeah. So just put it that way. Yeah. Well, and I think it works better with three rather than four. With four people, it gets pretty busy. Um, we could try it again. Though, I think with four, soon, you'd have to you kind of just have to sit back and go, we have no time limit. Let's just fucking talk. And then yeah. all of a sudden you're like, fuck, we've been here for three hours. Let's, yeah. you know, well, and also it becomes even more important to take turns. Cause if you have four people all talking, I've gone back and listened to that one where oh, we did dude, the, the fantasy hard. one where there's all four of us talking and it's almost incomprehensible. Well, like <laughs> it was like, it was fun to record it, but it's hard to listen back. Like you to said it. at the beginning, when you're talking without like the headset on, you start to try and like, talk over people mm-hmm. so like when you have four people talking all of a sudden you're just like hey i'm trying and then it's like hey dude you don't need to yeah, scream yeah. like we can let, all hear you really well right. let, let him get his point across and then he said he needed to say uh-huh. something to his point yeah. and then we can get to you yeah we'll get to you we're right, not just right. gonna cut the mics off like, if, <laughs> yeah. you, if you're yeah. mid-sentence i'm not gonna just be like all right we're done yeah like yeah Say something. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll try and we'll just keep the group text going, and we'll pick topics and see if you're you know if you're down, if you want to talk about them, then great. And yeah. if you're like, nah, you guys can talk about simulation theory on your own. I'll I'll join the next one. That's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, too. that the simulation <laughs> theory, man, that one had my brain whooped. I was I was all sorts oh, dude, of that, out of whack. Listening so much to fun. that. I think I think we're sitting here with our number one fan. I think Caleb's our number one fan. He's been like, dude, I listen to you guys every week. Yeah, he's been a constant <laughs> listener ever since we started this thing. So it's, it's an honor having you here. We sir. just we need more people to spread the word. Yeah. Although, I'll, well, let's see if oh, I can't pull it up on there. 
I can pull it up after this, but our map is like filling in. Like we are like global as global we'll get right now. And Finland went from like one listen to like they're the second most downloaded country now. So whoever's really? in Finland listening to us, you can see all that. Props out to you. Yeah, we'll, well show you for when the we. Most part, yeah. yeah, we'll show you on cool. Podbean when we when we cut the mics off. It's not like the best statistics. It's like like do you download our episodes? I don't know. I just listen to them on Spotify. Right. So you it's probably what I do. It's just like you stream right. it. Yeah. Because if you download it, your stream. phone would be like, "Yo, you have no more." Space. Oh yeah. No, yeah, I don't download problem, it. Right? I just I just click play on Spotify. Yeah, that's what I do. Right. right. So so Podbean gives us like if you, the episode is downloaded, not necessarily played. Mm. So like, gotcha, We gotcha. only see it based on downloads, not plays, yeah. which gotcha. is really confusing. So it's we feel like we're not getting the full picture, sure. but oh well. If only there was like a like button. Yeah. Like if Spotify had like a like button and it would just yeah. be like, hey, you know, 60 people like this episode. Like, oh, right. That's fucking yeah. lit. Instead yeah. of it's like, hey, two people downloaded this episode, but 60 people listen. It's right. like, right. oh, only two people saw this. Yeah, you're not getting the full right. picture. Right. Yeah. But anyway, man, yeah, thanks for being on. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely have to schedule to come on yeah. Yeah, more in the future. Um, this was fun. I was we did one. like a, what, a quick hour and 46 minutes. It's <laughs> <laughs> about what I expected. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, it works. It's nice to just ramble on. Like we jumped from, you know, we jump everywhere, but we get our points across. So the same thing happened today has happened before that I've told Matt. Like I, I glanced over. We were kind of midway through the conversation. And I'm like, I'm just curious how long we've gone. I glanced over and it was like 30 minutes. I'm like, man, we've only been talking for 30 minutes. And then you look and then back. It felt, what, what, what felt like five minutes later, I looked over and I'm like, it's been an hour and a half now. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's where like Saturdays sometimes it's like, hey, come over at like two. And yeah. then we have... As long as we need to, to just yeah. fucking talk. Yeah. And it'd be nice. I've been looking at trying to get uh, arms for the mics so we don't have to hold them. Yeah. But so we can, because like I said, this desk is not going to be being used. It's going to be over there. So instead of using a flimsy fucking card table, I was going <laughs> to use this and you could clamp mic stands to it or whatever. So oh, we can just go, like yeah. move it in then front we'll of be you and sit there. Be a lot more comfortable, but. Yeah. Got to make sure we have the funds for it, right? Because right. you know we're not making any money from Podbean because we have <laughs> two downloads. <laughs> anyway, we should probably wrap up because I think everyone's at this point tuned out. Right. There's no more World War II talk happening. Right. So. Well, on this day in 1943, I have no clue what happened. So, <laughs> well, war was raging. Well, we know that war was, was raging, raging in yeah. multiple fronts, and yeah. people were dying, and it sucked. Yep. Yep. So. But yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in, Caleb. Thanks for stopping by. Like Zach said, it was a pleasure. Um, yeah, we'll be back. I mean, shit, we've got a lot of ideas, so yeah. I'm not going to tell you what we'll be back with the yeah. next time we're here. Hopefully so. it's sooner, though. We've taken like almost a three-week break, I think, at this point. So, Well, time sometimes just doesn't match up with everybody's schedules. Yeah, yeah. But we'll be back with another episode either next week or a week and a half from now. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or three cool. months. You never know. Yeah, well, thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Later.